like I said, the School of Nations is, is busy happening. We've got a module on uh, prophecy concerning Africa. And I felt the Lord said I, must, um, I must, uh, mustn't focus on my message. And I must share just some faith-building testimonies this morning. Uh, this morning uh, normally the Lord gives me, you know, before the service, He says, do something else. This time I luckily got a day, you know, to, to, to be ready for it. Um, so I want to share, who's, who's heard of the, the prophecies concerning the southernmost uh, tip of Africa and the fire spreading from the south to the north? Right, so we're going we're gonna to look at some of these prophecies. I remember um, many years we were talking about this. Uh, where's the Breitenbachs? Are they here somewhere? And then uh, they asked, you know, you know where, do you, where do we get this information? Where do we get the, these prophecies? You know, what's the source? Um, is it verifiable? How can we know um, that is the case? Um, so we're going to look at a proper document this morning. Um, put together put together by a, a prophetic leader in Cape Town. Actually, uh, Leona met him the other day, and he's actually, um, his prophetic ministry is also praying uh, for Cape Town and South Africa and submitting their prophecies to, to the event, Songs of the Prophets, um, for the artists then to write songs of those, those um, prophecies. That's just on the side. Um, but I want to just quickly um, share something uh, concerning vision and just give you little bit of a context and, a, and an introduction to the reading. It's, it's, it's several um, little snippets of prophecies, and it um, dates back um, to 1908 um, when John G. Lake um, came to South Africa. We'll jump into that in a second. But just, um, just something that I read this week, um, uh, the, the, the CEO of Discovery um, South Africa um, Adrian Gore, who, who read the article? You wrote the article this week about positive leadership. You read the article. Um, positive leadership and um, being positive about South Africa, because I'm sure all of us know about the negativity concerning our country. And um, he writes a quite, a, quite an interesting article. It's um, quite encouraging. Um, he does use two evolutionary examples, and um, it's really terrible. Almost lost me there. Um, but then he does say quite a, quite a lot of sensible things. Um, I want to actually encourage you to read it. But he makes this point about um, vision-based leadership and positive leadership. He says there's a lot of reason for us to be positive in this country. Um, and, it, of course, he writes all, the, all of this from a secular point of view. In his words, a scientific point of view. He says, we have a choice. A, a problem-centered leadership approach, as per the above, which permeates declinism, or a vision-based leadership approach, which is an antidote to declinism. The matter involves acknowledging our country's progress and creating hope. Seeing our problems as real, but soluble. Seeking out positive cues alongside negative ones when reading our environment. And recognizing the potential of our economy and investing into it. This is how change happens. Attitude, drive drives fundamentals, not the other way around. And um, again, this is from a secular point of view, uh, but I really like what he says about um, vision-driven leadership. The ability to look at a nation or continent and to, to see uh, a future, to see a good future. Um, and of course, when it comes to Christianity, 
um, vision and, and prophecy go hand in hand. Um, whereas the world, if it's a, a secular organization, we come, we come upon a vision, um, but we do it by natural means of forecasting or some sort of scientific methods. When it comes to Christianity and the church, we get our vision as a download from God because God sees everything. God sees the beginning from the end. He's not in time. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen in 10 years' time. Um, he knows everything. And so, so we, we get our vision from God because we are a prophetic people. In fact, um, Amos chapter 3 verse 7 says, The Lord does nothing without revealing it to His servants, the prophets. You know, so we are His church. That doesn't automatically imply that we are His prophets, but we could be. Right? We all have the potential to be the Lord's prophets. Right? To hear. And then Kathleen was sharing a bit about that last week. I want to encourage you to listen to that if you didn't. This message ties really a lot into what she was saying in terms of prayer. So we're going to touch on that in a second. Um, but Timothy, sorry, first 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 20 says, Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Right? In other words, Treasure prophecy. You know, make sure that you think about it, meditate it, ap apply it. 1 Timothy 1 verse 8 says, Paul says to Timothy, This charge and monition I commit and trust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophetic intimations which I formerly received concerning you, so that inspired and aided by them you, might, you may wage the good warfare. Okay, I'm going to just read that, that descriptive term there. Inspired and aided by them, you may wage the good warfare. So, so in other words, prophecy is really practical. So you can, you can get a prophecy and you can be um, inspired by this, this prophecy. I think that's one thing that we normally get right. We, we hear prophecy and we, we are in, we're encouraged. All right? But then there's a next step where you are aided by this prophecy to wage the good warfare. All right? So Jesus says, um, it tells us to pray, let your kingdom come. In other words, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a dynamic that God wants to translate from heaven into the earth. Right? And that's, that's, that's our call. Right? We want to translate heaven into the earth, the, the kingdom of heaven, um, and the, the, the aspects, the fruit of that kingdom into, into this life. And of course, we do that with faith, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Um, in other words, faith is a substance, right? It's, it's something tangible. We cannot, we cannot see it, but it's real, right? And so, we, we, we take that and we, we grab, it, grab hold of it through faith and we see it established. But I want you to think of this, and this is really practical for me. Many times God would give me a, a prophetic word. Um, and, you know, God always calls us to do something that we're not able to. Did you realize that? You know, it's, it's, it's like normally not possible by yourself. You know, if, if, he ask, if he would ask you something to do that's possible without him, why would we need him, right? So he always makes sure that you and I, we cannot do it by ourselves, but we need him, right, to be, in order to do things. 
And so I've often found God calls me to do something, and then I'm like, how am I going to do this? And the only way um, is, is if God comes through, right? When last did you done, have you done something that if Jesus didn't come through for you, you would be ruined, right? You would be like, you've, you've, you've missed it, right? And, and, you know, that's what happened with Peter. I always love that example. He walked on the water. I mean, if, if, he, if he stepped in that water, wasn't solid, or Jesus wouldn't, you know, didn't catch him, he would have been ruined, right? He would have been dead. But he, he took a risk. He took a chance. He stepped on the water, and he stepped out. So he says, but prophecy is really practical. So there's this war happening. We all know about this war. Uh, scripture says our battle is not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities. There's a, there's, a, there's a battle between light and darkness, and, you know, it's, it's a real battle. It's not this um, theological battle. It's a re- reality. If, if you've been a Christian for a while, uh, you'll know it's real, right? If, you've, if God has called you to take territory for the kingdom of light, you'll know that there's a resistance that is not natural, it's not naturally explainable sometimes even, um, but there's a real resistance. And we see this in the, the narrative, of script, narrative of Scripture. But he says, with the word of prophecy, suddenly it becomes possible because you're seeing, you ha- you've got a vision of something that at the moment is unseen, but by pursuing it and by standing on, on that prophetic word, you can fight, you can wage this warfare. Does it make sense? All right? So it's, re- it's really helpful to ask God, to say, God, listen, maybe I need this, but, but give me a word. Give me, give me that word of prophecy so that I can hold on to that and be strengthened and encouraged. So I just wanted to share that as a backdrop to some of the prophecies that we're going to be looking at. Um, and we'll come off, we'll share, I'm going to see these 40 prophecies. Um, we're not going to get through all of them, I'm sure. Um, I'll look at the time, and then I'll conclude with um, just three remarks at the end. So let's start at the very first one. It's not, um, it's not the first first ones, you know. But but um, the writer, um, he says that because John G. Lake came, um, and it was such a defining. In fact, um, John G. Lake saw a vision of Africa, and that's why he came to Africa. Remember. Azusa Street, the revival that happened there. They literally had a prophecy concerning Africa and concerning the southern tip of Africa, right? And so it's, it's, this document um, starts there. Do we have the document on the screen, Poitomelo? Okay, great. Where are we now? Okay, you can move to page 11. That's it. Uh, two more pages. So this was April 1908. I love the, um, I love the research done um, in this. It's, it's really solid. And um, he literally, the writer of this document, it's a, it's a hundred and how many pages document, um, but they literally worked through thousands of prophecies and only chose the most solid, verifiable ones um, and that they've, um, you know, they've done a proper research concerning these. So first one is John G. Lake, um, 1908 in the USA, Indianapolis. One day, about April 1st, 1908, I went to Indianapolis, 
Indiana for a 10-day visit with Brother Tom, who was preaching there. Then I assisted in the services and work while visiting at the home of a Brother Osborne. As we prayed before retiring, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me and God talked to me concerning Africa. From my childhood, I'd been interested in Africa, especially South Africa. And for years, I had felt that one day God would send me to Africa. As we knelt to pray, my soul was in such anguish, I felt myself being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Then commenced the most vivid spiritual experience of my life. Then the Spirit said, will you go? I said, yes, Lord, any place, anywhere, but oh, Jesus, the burden must be yours. The responsibility is yours. Then a series of visions of different cities came before me. Then Johannesburg, South Africa, and a wonderful illumination of God's glory lighting up the whole land. My soul continued to pour out in a stream of prayer. Right, so that's the first one. I love these prophecies. Um, it's amazing if you begin to scroll through all of them. Um, perhaps I'll do a follow-up to this sermon. Uh, otherwise, just get the document from me, and then you can go through them by yourself. But I love the diversity. Um, you know, one can easily say, well, maybe someone shared a story, and then everyone latched onto that. But if you look at the diversity and, you know, where people prophesied this independently all over the world, um, it's, it's, it's really amazing. Or people just coming to South Africa they all say the same thing. So here's um, um, uh, anonymous uh, farmer, Burr, um, in August 1908. I'm going to actually just skip this story there. Well, let me, let me um, read here. Okay, so this is just after the Boer War. Um, also, yes, um, I was saying earlier, why did they choose the... Um, you know, only the prophecies from 1908. Um, the one reason it's really difficult to get hold of the prophecies before that. The second reason is there was only two um, major revivals in South Africa. The one is um, the one around um, Andrew Murray's time in the 1800s, also known as the Forgotten Revival, um, because we've forgotten what happened there. It's amazing. There's a little book that you can read. Um, on the revival, it's really inspiring, it happened all around us, um, in Montague, uh, the Durans, um, you know, spread all over, Paul, Stellenbosch, lots of amazing things happened, and then this was the second major revival, um, when the Pentecostalism came um, to South Africa with John G. Lake, um, major things happened, and then also, um, you know, just politically, um, 1908 was a very significant time in, the, in, in South Africa, where South Africa became a united state. Um, so that's why they said before that it was the different provinces. So, you know, prophecy before then might have been for specific provinces, not a, a, a country as we know today. Right, so in the course of the interview, he told me that the secretary to Dr. Leitz, an acting secretary of the state for the old Transvaal government under Paul, Kru Paul Kruger, Paul Krier, the last Dutch president of the Transvaal Republic, he told me that when the Boer War closed, because of what he considered faithfulness to the cause he had represented, he refused to sign the agreement recognizing the authority of the British and in consequence had been blacklisted as in incorrect. Incorrigible. Was that right? 
incorrigible. Okay, thank you guys. This prevented him from obtaining employment. His family had been sent to Europe during the war and he had no money to bring them back. His property and money had all gone in the cause of the Boers and he was impoverished. He did not have proper clothes to wear nor sometimes food to eat. He said that notwithstanding these conditions, his soul was consumed with the problems of, of state and the desire to alleviate the conditions of the Boer people and see the people restored to happiness. And in the agony of his soul, he had been in the habit of going into one of the mountains for prayer. After several months of, of, of this practice, one day the Lord revealed to him a great deliverance that was coming, that a man would arrive in Pretoria from America on a certain date and could be found at 75 Hamilton Street at 4.30 p.m. I would say that's uh, quite specific. I think what's, what just stands out to me there, um, just with a little bit of context there, it was a really difficult time in the, in the nation, right? Similar to what we, what we have at this stage. You know, God always comes in the, in, the, in the most difficult times. You know, actually we become desperate enough to seek God in the most difficult times. But he's always there and he's always willing to encourage him to speak. Then it says, he said, this is the date and I've come in, in response to the direction of the Spirit as I received it. He welcomed me as a messenger of the Lord and proceeded to give me the details of the revelation as he had received it. His revelation included political changes that were to transpire, a religious revolution that would grow out of my own work, and many events of national importance which became historic facts during the next few years. He further gave detail in prophecy of the European war and Britain's part in it. It was August 1908. It was only after I witnessed um, event after event come to pass that I became deeply impressed with the real significance of this revelation. He told me that the present meeting I was about to conduct in Pretoria would be marked with extraordinary manifestations of the Spirit, that these manifestations of the Spirit would eventuate in a profound impression of the majesty and power of God upon the minds of the people of South Africa in later years would create a stimulus of faith in God throughout the world. Then it says um, there was apparent silence, prophetic silence in the years of the World War I, 1914 to 1918. Then in the 1920s, um, again, John G. Lake, the angel addressed Mr. Lake regarding Johannesburg's future. The heart of Jesus was gladdened here through the glory, the grace and the power of God manifested here, but human pride, formalism, and lack of faith had brought disappointment to the heart of him we love. But the glory will return. And the tried and true, those who had suffered and labored and prayed, will be rewarded, but all self-seekers will be dethroned. In answer to a cry from Lake's heart, the angel took the Bible and opened the book of Acts. He called attention to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And then proceeding through the book, pointing out the great outstanding revelations and phenomena in it. Then the angel spoke these words. This is Pentecost as God gave it through the heart of Jesus. Strive for this. Contend for this. Teach the people to pray for this. For this and this alone will meet the necessity of the human heart, 
And this alone will have the power to overcome the forces of darkness. As the angel was departing, he said, pray, pray, pray. Teach the people to pray. Prayer and prayer alone, much prayer, persistent prayer is the door of entrance into the heart of God. Then in the 1930s, again, World War II, again, a prophetic silence for about six years. 1940s, um, Reverend Nicholas Bengu. Who's heard of um, Reverend Nicholas Bengu? A couple of people. You should really study Nicholas Bengu. Um, he was a, a really significant um, man of God. I, I remember a friend gave me a little book of his movement. Um, he started as a preacher in the Eastern Cape, um, and he did these crusades, massive revivals in the Eastern Cape of literally thousands of people coming to salvation. Um, I'm always amazed how these great men of God were in our nation, and we don't know about them. It's incredible what he's done, major miracles, many people coming to salvation. Um, in 1946, a message came through uh, Reverend Bengu saying, Africa back to God from Cape to Cairo. The theme song of his campaigns, Africa back to God, Africa back to God. We are singing, we are bringing Africa back to God. He's actually a very influential person um, in, in South Africa and some of our policies um, today. Then, um, again, the revivals starting in the southern tip of Africa, date prophesied 1948 um, by a Swedish um, unknown person. In 1948, a young man in a very prominent dat, uh, church in Sweden stood up in the middle of a morning service and started to tell about a vision he was having that very moment, a revival starting in the southern tip of Africa, spreading over Africa. In the 1950s, a Swiss um, nationality um, messenger, J.R., how do you pronounce that? Schwend, Schwend, Schwend. All right, in any case, Schwend, Schwend. Schwend, okay, there we go, well done. Thank you for that. I needed that. Okay, great. So the, the, this is what he said. This is in 1965. Many years ago, oh no, sorry, it was published in 1965. It was prophesied in 1950. Many years ago, I was awakened through a short but very clear dream vision. I could see a map hanging on a wall showing Africa, and Europe was adjoining parts of the world. Below the map, near the wall, stood a small table. There was a burning can candle upon the table held in a candlestick, throwing its flickering light on, on, on the large map. Then... Just then, a gentle breeze blew the flame of the candle towards the map, causing it to catch a light at the lowest point of Africa. Flames flew upward across the continent, African continent and to Europe as well as to India and other parts of the world. I awoke and deeply impressed by the short, clear vision, I uttered the words, This is a revival fire. Falling on my knees, I prayed, Oh God, it is wonderful that a small burning candle can set a whole continent like Africa on fire. May I be such to thee, if I cannot be famous preacher or missionary, may I, may I, O Lord, at least be burning candle, burning for Jesus wherever I may be. I realize that a candle that is burning is more 
use than the most luxurious lamp that does not, bur- not even burn, even though it is full of oil. It was the fire of cloven tongues that descended upon the 120 disciples on the day of Pentecost that set the church of Christ ablaze and made it to be the light of the world. May the whole of Africa be set on fire for God with a vision for the salvation and precious, precious souls throughout the world. It is not impossible that God may graciously use South Africa as the starting point of a worldwide revival. Let us pray and let us be burning candles placed by God in the right place, maybe the earth's darkest corners. In the 1960s, Brian O'Donnell, he says, The the move of the Holy Spirit in the churches in Cape Town in the late 60s and 70s had a lot to do with the vision, testimony, and ministry of Brian O'Donnell a converted leader in the hippie world of the time, concerning a vision given many years ago to one um, J.R. Okay, that guy. (laughs) That guy. I'll just refer you there. Brian is now powerfully under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God that the time is now ripe for great resurgence of the Spirit, commencing in Cape Town and extending throughout our country and upwards into Africa in, in accordance with that vision of the burning candle. Then Lonnie Frisbee, he was also, both these guys were um, part of the, what they call the Jesus People Movement. Uh, that was in the States where lots of hippies um, came to salvation. He said this in Cape Town in 1976 to 78, somewhere there. Lonnie Frisbee shared a vision um, at the Assemblies of God Bible College in Cape Town. The vision was that the fire of the Holy Spirit would ignite at the southern tip of Africa and move across the continent, setting the world alight. Do you see the consistency of these prophecies? And it's, it's from different streams, different nations, different streams, different revivals, all come and they say the same thing. And in Kempton Park, um, 1984, we'll do about three or four more. Um, in 1984, Pastor Theo Volmerans of Christian City, now CFC, nearby Kempton Park, Johannesburg, South Africa, had a dream about South Africa. The Spirit of God showed him the map of the world. The map was completely covered in darkness. A very small fire started in Cape Town. At first, there was a very tiny speck on the map. The little fire started to spread and grow bigger. and It became so huge that it later engulfed the whole continent of Africa. The enormous fire then spread to the other parts of the world and also set them alight. Then he said that revival will start in Cape Town. It will spread through South Africa and Africa and then the rest of the world. Now this, this is, this was, um, when I saw this, I got really excited. Um, I don't know if you know about the, the revival that is happening in Indonesia at the moment. Um, massive revival, more than a million, um, they call them um, MBBs, Muslim Background Believers. Um, Muslims get saved, more than a million each year, and this is the testimony of, of the Muslims. I was, um, I'm going to show you a video clip in a second um, of a meeting that's happening in Indonesia. We're going to send a mission team to them, um, but Maltari, who's, who's, who's read the book of Maltari, Like a Mighty Rushing Wind? You've read that book. It's an amazing book, eh? It's crazy. It's crazy. Every, I believe everyone should read that book. There's a copy in the library. By the way, we, ha- we have a library. Did you guys know that? We've got a library full of very cool books. You must go and 
get some books in the library. Um, speak to Armand. But uh, there's a little book called um, Like a Mighty Rushing Wind, speaking about the, the early Indonesian revival. And it's written by Mal Tari. But it's the most incredible stories you've heard of like real revival of just ordinary people getting hold of the word and just taking it at face value. Reading the scriptures, saying, seeing that, you know, signs and wonders will follow those that believe. Um, drinking poison, being bitten by snakes, shaking off snakes. You know, all the miracles. I felt when I read the book, all the miracles of the Bible is in this book. Um, once, with the one guy, he's preaching. Um, and a, a lion comes into the building, right? It is like wild Indonesia back then, clearly. A lion comes into the church. He stops the service. He, he curses the lion. The lion collapses. And his word, no jokes, right? And he, and he, you know, imagine that sermon after that. Standing with his foot on the lion's head, preaching his, the rest of his sermon. Do yourself a favor, go and read that book. Um, several uh, stories of um, people raised from the dead, um, really faith-building, encouraging stories. But he came to South Africa in 1986. He came to here in the Cape Flats, and he prophesied the following. The evangelist Maltari, on a visit to Cape Town to Lentegeer Civic, shared what he saw as he flew over Cape Town he saw the streets of Cape Town being on fire with the Holy Spirit, and the revival would break out at the southern tip of Africa. Again, incredible. Then Reverend T.A. Ralo Kolela. Someone help me? Ralo Kolela. You said. Rally Kolela. There we go. Okay, great. Got a diverse group of people today. We need all kinds of tongues to get through this one. Right. I was standing in Cape Town ministering at Mitchell's Plain and, and st staying in Seapoint. I'd been preparing for the meeting and I was about, it was about midnight when the Holy Spirit gave me a vision. I saw fire starting in Seapoint and spreading through the whole of Africa until it was covered with fire. And the Lord spoke to me at the moment and said, this, there is going to be a visitation of God in South Africa but not just for South Africa, but for the whole of Africa. And again, I saw in the vision the fire came down on the bottom of the map of Africa, then going up into the direction of the east, the direction of Kenya, then covering the western part, then going up to Nigeria, Ghana, and suddenly the fire was covering the whole continent of Africa. Once again, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, fire, 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 fire. In the vision, I saw the fire coming like drops, drops, that is like sparks, and then I came up until the whole continent was under fire. Again, the Lord said, this is end-time revival that is coming in your continent. As you can see on my logo, the ring I have put up there, I saw the ring surrounding the continent, and then as I prayed to the Lord, the Lord said to me, this ring symbolizes that I will cover the whole continent with fire, not only Africa, but this fire is going to touch the world. The ring showed me that the Lord had started... Um, what the Lord has started is going to be completed. The whole continent will be surrounded by the fire of the Holy Spirit. The fire of the gospel of Jesus will spread from there. It, start, it started to the rest of the world. That is where my vision started. Then, um, 1980s, Reinhard Bonke, 
I was actually thinking while we were reading um, some of the other prophecies. Um, he, was, uh, he was a German living in Germany, and God showed him a vision of Africa way back before he came. And, and you know, of course, we know all the stories of Randall Bunker, but it's just incredible again how God has, has his, you know, his heart is for this continent. You know, and he's, you know, he really wants to do something. During this time, evangelist Rana Bonka was sharing a message about the fire that will move from Cape Town to Cairo. Again. Okay, let's, let's finish with um, this one. Jan van Rooyen in 9 December 1988. I saw a vision of the map of South, Southern Africa. The subcontinent was covered in darkness, and I could see the outlines of the coast. My vision was drawn to the most southern tip of Africa towards the areas of Cape Town and the surrounding area. I saw a fire bursting forth and spreading towards the north. At the same time, I saw many small specks of light all over the subcontinent, including Botswana, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and Angola. These little lights were small fires that continued to burn brighter and brighter, and it seemed as if somehow all the fires were linked and burning in concert with one another. And then there's the interpretation. I'm not going to read the interpretation now. Right, so I think, I think it's, it's really important that we, you know, fill our minds and fill our thoughts with these things, with prophecy. I think, um, you know, if you, if you spend a lot of time around negative people, you will eventually end up being negative, right? But if you spend a lot of time um, around positivity and around things concerning what God is saying, you will end up being full of faith and inspired. So just a couple of final remarks concerning, um, you know, these things. Um, I'll watch a quick video and then we'll wrap up. Um, one thing that really um, struck me was um, a couple of the guys said it, it starts in Cape Town, but it's, it's like just a small fire. You know, it's, it, it's not a massive fire. And then they all, you know, one of the guys particularly said, you couldn't believe that this little small fire could start such a big fire. I don't know about you, but that's really encouraging to me. You know, it's, it's, it's like it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean a lot. It could mean a small group of people that are really used by God, that are really uh, made themselves available for God's use, and then this fire comes and it then sparks, right? Then a lot of happens. So, so we don't need to think, Massive. We don't have to think. We need to have everyone involved, right? It could really just be a small group of people. God can, God can really take it from there. The other thing that really stands out uh, to me, I think it was prophecy number four. But I just saw something that, that um, God is busy doing and has been doing in us and in a lot of churches, churches around the world, churches, churches in South Africa. And the bottom line of what I believe God is doing is he's really revealing to us at this time that it's not about us. It's all about him, right? So some of us, maybe, you know, someone saying just this week, you know, this year, you know, we thought everything's going to work like this and none of it worked out like this, um, you know. But it's still the Lord, right? And, you know, the Lord's still behind all of the things that we were expecting, but it's like God is just trying to get the point across, it's not about me, it's about Him, right? And I think until, until we've settled that in our hearts, we're not really usable by God. In fact, 
you know, God will, for our safety, not use us, right? Because if, if it's about us, it will destroy us if God would, were to bring His glory. So I think that's really something, you know, maybe you can be encouraged. Maybe you've been through a difficult time. I really believe prophetically that is what God has been doing, right? And if you cannot, if you, cannot you know, further the kingdom where it feels at your cost, it feels like you're really suffering, but the kingdom is, is furthering. If you cannot say, I'm fine with that, then you cannot be used by God, right? Because then it's about you and not about Him, right? God wants to bless us. He wants to give us the kingdom. But He wants our attention, our focus, not to be into, in, into ourselves, but into Him. He wants us to be obsessed with Him, right? He wants us to be true worshippers. And so one of those prophecies just really struck me. I think it was the fourth one about the fact that God is, it's, it's, it's all about Him. So we're going to watch a quick video and then we'll close off with prayer. So maybe just a bit of context. Um, it's actually a bit of a miracle. The guy in the video is Pastor Jerome Ocampo. Um, some of you might have seen him. I think he was preaching, was it a year ago? When was Convergence? It was last year's convergence. He came to our church to minister, but it was quite a miracle. I mean, meeting him, um, we went to um, uh, the Philippines, and we were on an island very far away, actually, from where he stays. And it's literally like if 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 you would wake up the wake up this morning and some you know the Lord says go to Johannesburg and meet someone quickly, buy a flight and go and meet the person. That's literally how it was. We, we booked a, fly, a flight and we found him and we met him and we, we, we spent some time with him. And it was really an incredible divine um, meeting. And um, you're going to see, he's going to talk about um, like some crazy, it's like crazy stuff. You know, God calls us to do crazy stuff. Did you know that? Like stuff that you're like, you cannot believe that God would use you to do something so influential. So back when I met him, it was in 2016. When were we in the Philippines? 2016. Okay, 2016, we were sitting with him, and he was telling us about this, this vision that he had about North and South Korea, and how God had called them to, to go and pray at the border. We'll talk about this in a second. And he had a vision of the North and South Korean leaders coming together. Who knows what's happening in North and South Korea, right? He had a vision, and when he was sharing this to me, I was like, that's crazy. You know, Jerome, that's crazy. I mean, have you read the news? Do you know what's happening? I mean, of course, he's in the East, so he knows much more. Um, but, I mean, that was ridiculous to think that North and South Korea, they were, it was this close to nuclear war in North and South Korea. Um, and then he got this vision that the two, two leaders would meet um, and they would reconcile. He says, um, there's two parts of the video. The first part is about that North-South Korea. And the second is an uh, invitation to um, Indonesia, Jakarta. Um, we, can, we, we are the African representatives um, to this conference. So if you see the South Africa there, that's, that's us. Um, so we're going to send a team. Um, we've got a team meeting. So if you, this is like a really last minute, but if you want to join the team, there's already a team that's going. This is your last opportunity. So come and join us afterwards in the mother's room. All right.
2016, we gathered thousands of young people at the DMZ between North and South Korea to believe for the unification of Korea to become one nation. Two weeks before that, I had a dream. In the dream, the leader of North Korea was waking up and he had a question in his mind, will I be remembered as the Korean who unites North and South Korea or as the Korean who destroys Korea? And at that moment, in my dream, he changed his mind. Not knowing that after 18 months of our... Thank you, Web Africa. <laughs> Let's bless Web Africa. <coughs> Are we going to have success there, guys? Or should we continue? Okay, we have uh, technical difficulties. Is it back? From our prayer time in the DMZ, all of a sudden, without any hint, he just suddenly changed his mind to become a very hostile leader to a friendly leader. Korea is like Asia's Azusa Street. You know, Pyongyang was like a place of revival, and so coming there to contend for God's destiny for a nation was uh, was really life-changing for me. All David had was five stones. His resume was just being uh, a shepherd boy, being in the presence of God, and that's what we did. We just came together, just sought the Lord, became the Psalm 24 generation, just seeking His face together at the border so that God would unite a nation. It wasn't our prayers who made that happen, but it was God, but He wants to work through our prayers. I believe God is saying the potential of what a united generation can do. When the young generations come together in unity and prayer, we can touch nations, we can touch leaders from all over the world. This was proven that after that, the rest is history, Five regional and national movements started in many different nations all over the world. And it continues to develop up to this very day. And now we see young people getting out of their complacency and engaging in the destinies of their nation. Now we believe God wants to take it to the next level. We believe that Indonesia is a key player in the global gathering. God has chosen this nation has multiple cultures to be united many years ago and somehow become a display of the potential unity a generation can have. This next global gathering is going to be exciting. Imagine coming to Indonesia. If God breaks out, if God revival breaks out, if God moves in Indonesia, it's going to spark courage to the other nations that God could turn things around. Me being a part of uh, the young generation, I encourage everybody to be there. Let's all be a part of history together.
become a dream that made by the young people in Indonesia 90 years ago. From the island of Java, Sumatra, Kalimantan, Syllabus, they gathered together in Jakarta to have a dream there's going to be a nation called Indonesia. So they do a youth pledge, one nations, one land, one language called Indonesia. And the song of Indonesia Raya, it's become national anthem. It's written by a Christian on that time. And for the first time, that song has been sang. And it's become like a, a uniting tools for the young people to have a dream for Indonesia. We believe that this can actually happen in our time. If a generation would come together into such a context in unity, in prayer, we would actually revive the Moravian spirit, passion for prayer, passion for lost souls, passion for missions. If you believe in the next generation, if you believe in the potential of the young people in your nation, you should come to Indonesia. If you believe it is time for a new expression of God's move among the next generation, then you should join us on January 23 to 26, 2019. Who knows what God can do this time? So with the spirit of youth pledge, we're to invite the nations to come to do united prayer in Indonesia. I believe in, in unity we can pray and we can ask for the open heaven to come one more time for the whole world to see the greatest revival ever, the greatest outpouring ever. So I believe we can do it one more time. Come to the Global UPR. We will see you there. I don't know if you saw the part of the video where, it, um, where they were speaking about um, the prophecy of Indonesia, also back 1900s, the early 1900s. I remember, 
a vision that I saw in 20, 2010, actually before I knew about most of these prophecies, but I remember seeing a, a, a picture. It was like God took me to Jerusalem, um, to, to the place where Jesus gave the great commission to the disciples. Um, and of course, we know what he said to them. He said to them, go to the uttermost ends of the earth. Right, and it's like I saw. It's like I saw that that place, and I, it, it was zooming out up to such a point where I could see the whole world map, and I, I felt like that's what happened over the ages. The gospel had gone out to the ends of the earth, um, and like Cape Town is one of the ends of the earth. If you think of it geographically, it's one of the tips of the earth, and and I felt at some point God is now going to do re- the reverse. We obviously know of um, the Jews in Palestine and, and uh, you know, very few of the Jews are following Jesus. But we know prophetically that the Jews need to return um, before Jesus comes back. Um, and so I believe it's like God tipped the earth. And I saw the reverse happening. From all the ends of the earth now, the gospel will move back um, to Jerusalem. Um, and then, you know, we have incredible prophecies of how Jesus then will come stand on the Mount of Olives and, 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 and so on. But I remember that picture and it, it so struck me. And I think what's, what's so important about this, this vision, so these prophecies concerning Cape Town, they are true. That, that's going to happen. That's a done deal. Um, but I think part of, part of the, the understanding that it's not about us is to recognize that God is doing similar things all over the world. Um, like in Indonesia, like in China. Who of you have read um, the, um, the Chinese um, movement back to Jerusalem? Who's heard of that? Right? It's like a, there's obviously massive revivals in China, and they have a call to take the gospel from China all the way back to Jerusalem. Um, and so they've sent thousands, hundreds of thousands of missionaries back um, through all the... Islamic nations and so on, Buddhist nations and so on, um, you know, and so, and, and at the same time, Indonesia, they're saying that right now at this moment, um, they say the third Pentecost is happening. So the first Pentecost obviously was in the upper room in the book of Acts. The second Pentecost, everyone says, um, was in the early 1900s, um, one of the places being Azusa Street. Apparently, it wasn't the only place. We often think in, in church history that it was just Azusa Street, but apparently all over the world, there were little Azusa Streets happening. Um, but they're saying right now in Indonesia, that is the third Pentecost, the th- third big outpouring of the Holy Spirit um, that is happening. But I, I believe if we, if we have that understanding, again, it's not about us, but it's about God. It's about His purpose then we can be partners. I don't know about you, but I don't want it to be about me because I don't want to miss out on God's glory. I don't want to miss out on what He wants to do. Um, so won't you just stand with me this morning and I'm going to just pray a simple play, pray and it's, it's, it's going to just simply be that. Jesus, let it, all, let it be all about you and help us, God, to look to you and to see your glory and only your glory. So, Father, we thank you this morning that we can give all to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we can come and we can just lift our eyes 
from our issues, from our struggles, from our nation's issues, from our nation's struggles. Let us not look at, at the issues any longer. Let us not be driven and motivated by the destruction that the enemy has caused. But let us be driven and motivate, motivated with a passion and a love for Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the prophetic word, God. We choose to wage warfare, Father, via, by the prophetic word that you have spoken concerning, concerning this continent and concerning our individual lives. God, we choose, to, we choose to see ourselves and identify not firstly as global citizens, but firstly as African citizens, God. We choose to recognize the divine call that you have sent us here to this place for divine purpose. We were born here, or maybe we moved here, but it was a divine incident, Lord. You have sent us to make a difference, to be the difference, Lord. And we ask you that you would use us, God for your glory and we put all the attention on you we give you the glory Jesus just want to ask while every eye is closed if you hear you this morning and you just want to make that declaration maybe just make that statement no matter how long you've been following God maybe you've never given your life to God Maybe you've never publicly confessed him. Or maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. But if you want to just say, Jesus, I come to you. I choose to make it all about you. Not about myself. I choose to humble myself before your cross. I'm not going to ask you to, to come forward. But just as a sign towards God, a sign of humility. I want you to stretch out both your hands to the heavens. To say, Jesus, it's all about you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you do nothing without revealing to your servants the prophets. And this morning, we thank you that you are doing something significant, God. God, this work in our hearts is not insignificant. It's not fickle. It's not small. It's massive, Lord, because it's your hand at work. It's not the work of man. It's not, it's, not, it's not something we can do, Lord, but it's your work. And so, Father, right now, over every person, every hand that is raised to the heavens, that you would come and do a work with the finger of God. Come and change us, God. Come and make us new. Come and make it all about you, Jesus. But use us, God. That is our cry this morning. Use us. Use us. Use us. Ben, if you can lead us in a song and just engage with God. Speak to Him. God, we pray for signs and wonders to follow as we believe. God, we ask you for dreams and visions and prophecies. God, we thank you, Father, as I sense the spirit of prophecies in this place. We thank you for the testimony of Jesus. He's the spirit of prophecy. Let's finish this morning off with praise and worship, giving Him glory. And at the same time, attending to His voice, listening to what He's saying. Listening to what is, what is your part, what is your role. It's so incredible. I think Kenny and Leona said it. But by giving us this building, and, and uh, about a week ago, God said to me, I felt God said, 
You know, up till now it's been like, maybe it's going to happen. Maybe we're going to get the finances. Maybe it's going to work out. But I just felt a week ago, God says, I must move as if it's happening. Because it's, it's, that's faith. Knowing that He's going to do what He wants to do. But I felt that God said that He's taking us back to the foundations of this nation to 1657, five years after the Unfinished came here. He's taking us back to that place for a purpose. Right? He wants to relay the foundation of, of, of this nation. And then um, Sias and Heinrich came to the property this week. And Sias, when we were praying, he had a prophetic word. He said, he spoke over this, over that prophet, uh, property. And he said, as I was sharing about the fact that it's, it's um, the hope of the harvest. That's the name of the place. The hope of the harvest. He's, he spoke and he said, um, this, is, this needs to happen. The foundation needs to be relayed so that the revival from the southernmost tip of Africa can begin. And I believe it's so important. And we're just a part of it. It's not us. There's many faithful people just, you know, connecting with the prophetic movements and churches in, 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 this, in the city. It's incredible to see that there's so many, but God is, is looking for people that would partner with Him. Let's, let's, let's just worship Him and join with Him this morning. We're going to just sing this song and then it's the end of the service. So if you need to go, you're welcome. If you're visiting us, join us for coffee afterwards. God bless.